Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of Leverage 2 Market Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. We're here today with Brian Heikes, who is the Vice President of Product at 3C Interactive. Through mobile marketing services, 3C deepens and extends the connection between customers and brands, driving increased loyalty, brand awareness, and results. They connect mobile to business uh, results, and their platform's multi-channel capabilities, including SMS and MMS messaging, mobile coupons, mobile wallet, mobile web, location-based services, etc., help marketers deliver timely, relevant engagement at the customer's moment of need. So welcome, Brian. Oh, thank you very much. Great. We're going to talk a little bit about the Olympics, which are happening at about the time um, that we're going to be recording this and releasing this. So tell me a little bit about how mobile marketing is going to be different today in 2016 than what we saw two years ago. Well, I think, you know, with the, uh, the Olympics this time being the summer games and being uh, time coincident with those of us here in the U.S., I think you're going to see a lot more uh, impact of mobile uh, on, on you know, our audience's uh, day-to-day lives. Just from everything that goes from the options for keeping up with what's going on, uh, you know, NBC making feeds available uh, in, a, in a live fashion uh, to Snapchat and, and Facebook Live and others, uh, to people who are streaming from the events themselves uh, as they're there recording their experience and sharing them. So I think there's going to be a whole range of interactions that are occurring, and marketers are going to be able to really you know, take advantage of that, capitalize on it, and you know, be able to react to the live events uh, in real time as they happen throughout the day. And so it's going to create a whole lot more of those mobile moments for marketers to be able to engage with their customers, their consumers, uh, and the market in general around and if we think about it, and even going back two years, which, which is not that long a period of time, we weren't using mobile the same way we're using it today. I mean, so much has happened. From you know, Think about everything from Pokemon Go to Snapchat and Instagram, et cetera, that were just not really as much as part of our consciousness two years ago. Very much so. And, um, you know, it, it really is, it's already started playing out before the games, uh, you know, with some of the athletes, you know, already and, and their training and the engagement uh, around mobile and how brands are, are latching into that. Uh, but it also, you know, flows into their people too and, you know, things like uh, the uniforms that have, have gone on and uh, the athletes taking to uh, their mobile devices to share their thoughts on, you know, what their country is putting forth for them to, uh, to wear as they go in. Uh, you also see a lot of uh, the brands, you know, taking the investment that they've made in sponsoring the Olympics and spinning that ahead of the Olympics, trying to introduce new technologies or driving uh, opportunities to, to tie their brand in more closely. Things like uh, Visa, when you look at the rings that they've announced that they're going to give all of their sponsored athletes uh, to where to do uh, contactless payment when they're inside Olympic Village. Uh, you know, there really are a lot of opportunities that are coming through. And I think we saw a, a real sense of, of what could be possible with the Olympics really four years ago in London. Uh, with the summer games there, and then you saw it tail off a little bit with uh, with the winter games. And so it's it's going to be really exciting to see now in uh, in Rio with uh, the engagement in the, the mobile community that already exists there, uh, you know, how this is going to play out uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks. Now here's an interesting question for you because we've heard so much about 
is Rio ready, you know, between the Zika virus and, and water that the swimmers may have to swim in, and will the dorms be ready, and, it's, and, and, and will the subway get there, et cetera. But what is the mobile infrastructure like in Rio? Will that be able to handle this traffic? Uh, well, it seems like, you know, they had the dry run there uh, a year ago or so with the World Cup. And, you know, the venues that they brought in uh, and the, the providers uh, really seemed to be able to handle that. You didn't hear a whole lot of uh, publicity of, you know, couldn't connect or couldn't get the information that was needed. Uh, and that was, you know, they'd really spread that out all over the country. Uh, this is going to be, you know, much more tightly uh, coupled there into Rio where, you know, it is a tourist destination already. So while you will see the, the upswing in the insurge of people, I think you'll see that they've, uh, at least based on what I've read, uh, really brought in the infrastructure around the venues to handle that many people in one place. Uh, but, you know, the nice thing with it being there in Rio, Rio being a tourist destination, there already is a lot of the, um, uh, the, the support that you would see, whether it's through apps or through uh, the, the web in general, uh, to be able to support that. Things like uh, restaurant recommendations, navigation around the city, uh, how you interact with the uh, the community there, and so I think a lot of that uh, is already in place. You know, driving applications have the whole area mapped, uh, and so I think you'll have a lot of that infrastructure and the support that uh, travelers are used to wherever they go, uh, being able to be applied there in Rio as part of the games. That's great. So they may not have clean water, they may not have a place to live, but they should have mobile, and they'll be able to tell us about it. So that's that's uh, the good they, news. <laughs> a huge population there that is already, you know, very, very mobile savvy and, and mobile centric. Uh, thinking to one of the Mastercard statistics around, you know, mobile payment readiness. Brazil ranks fairly highly, um, and when you think of of the uh, differences between the U.S. and Brazil, you know, it's uh, some of those things that really stand out. You know, that you were calling out, you know, Vika and, and water quality and other things. Uh, you wouldn't necessarily think those two were related, but they do rank fairly highly in terms of. Uh, mobile readiness for payments, and so it's uh, they do have areas that uh, you know they can can really showcase during the Olympics here. But let's talk a little bit about mobile payments. So mobile payments, digital wallets. How is that going to come into play at the Olympics? What are we going to see? Um, you know, there's a, a number of uh, of folks who have have made a a push for this with the Olympics. Uh, I know Visa has uh, partnered with, uh, I'll probably butcher the pronunciation, but Brandesco, who's uh, one of the national uh, banks there, uh, to provide uh, bracelets that can be used inside the Olympic venues for uh, NFC-enabled payments, you know, very similar in the U.S. to what you would see with a, uh, an Apple Pay or an mm -hmm. Android Pay. Uh, and they've said all of the point-of-sale terminals inside uh, Olympic venues are going to be uh, NFC-enabled and capable of handling that. Uh, they've also rolled out, uh, and there have been a number of partnerships between the banks uh, there with, uh, with various uh, credit cards or other uh, groups to be able to deploy uh, their own uh, mobile wallet applications. This has gone on for uh, a while preceding the Olympics, so it isn't something specifically tied there. But they do have a, a good uh, distribution of uh, terminals around the country already. I think the, the last stat I saw was 2 million uh, different terminals around the country that were ready for contactless payment. And so it feels, you know, really like this is going to be an opportunity for that to uh, to, to, to show. Um, but at the same time, you know, as you get out of the Olympic venues and into the city, you know, if you're coming from America with your uh, Apple Pay, uh, you know, what is the support really going to be like in terms of penetration of, of retailers there? You know, in the U.S., we still don't have – uh, the majority of retailers supporting any of the uh, NFC payment types, 
Uh, and you know, I, I'd say we're probably one of the areas of focus. You know, first country uh, rolled out there, trying. So you know, that adoption is probably going to be a little spottier as you get out uh, away from the Olympic venues itself. Got it. Got it. So let's let's talk about a couple of things. You talked a little bit about apps for tourists, such as restaurant recommendations, <laughs> navigation, interaction with the city. What other type of apps do you think we're going to see at the Olympics? Well, I think, uh, you know, I, there's two things. You know, one will be apps uh, focused on the Olympics themselves, right? There's so much going on, and there are so many different things, especially with the summer games, where you have overlapping events uh, and trying to keep up with everything that's going on. Uh, you know, there's a, a place for apps around the Olympics themselves to uh, be able to communicate to the audience, you know, the, the breadth of things that are happening. Uh, Google has launched a an app uh, around that, all the information you need, broadcasts from, I think they, I, they said 65 different countries uh, that you can get in market. And so there's those sort of aggregator apps that will bring mm -hmm. all of the information together. Uh, you know, those are always a draw uh, because people want to keep up. Uh, but then there will also be uh, the apps that help the people who are there on the ground. And that's, you know, venue information, security information, hotel information, uh, your you know, joking about the, the water quality in, in Zika. Right. You know, uh, hey, where can I find a, uh, a, a working toilet or a, a place where I can uh, uh, go to have a good rest, a good meal? You know, all of those will, will come into play. Um, and so I think those, those apps are, are going to be there. Uh, you know, I think we'll continue to see in the app space in general some really point and focused applications that are, are excellent for a specific purpose, and people will continue to find those and, uh, and, and pull them out, whether it's for ride sharing or, uh, you know, trying to, to find the best place to go after the events in the evening. Right. And how do you think text is going to be used this time around differently than perhaps in, in earlier Olympic Games? Yep. Yeah, well, I think, you know, in past Olympic Games, you know, as I look back, I remember seeing uh, services such as NBC offered a, a short code that you could text into to get the, the latest headlines and the updates. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, a, a way to, to keep up. Uh, but, you know, the text channel was, was just that text. It, it wasn't very rich and engaging. Uh, I think that's where the apps are going to play uh, a bigger part because they are, uh, they are uh, capable of having some, some other interactions there. I think, uh, you know, text is really going to be used mainly for staying in contact and in small group communications uh, for people to coordinate. Uh, I think the way see, we use it here today, yeah. Exactly. I'll, I'll, I I'll meet see, you at the corner in ten, you know, in 10 minutes, that kind of thing, yeah. Correct. Yeah. I think you'll see, uh, you'll see a lot of the other channels, you know, messaging in general. I'll take it out mm -hmm. of text messaging and SMS. Uh, I think you'll see many, whether it's Facebook Messenger or, uh, you know, any of the others, used the same way. But you'll also see the, uh, when athletes and, and brands want to push out, their their message. They won't move necessarily to the text for that. Uh, when they're trying to push a message, they'll go to a, a broader range uh, because uh, you want it to to have that impact. Uh, where you know what you say can be seen as many people as possible. You know, think back to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago when the uh, when the lights went out. Right. You, know, you had everybody jumping on it right away and uh, coming up with the you know, sort of pithy lines that they could drop out. I remember Oreos commercial as yep. an example. You know, you can, yeah, dunk, you in can dunk in the dark. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's, yeah. that's an example of one that went really well, right? But uh, when you're doing that real time, you know, they can can go a little uh, get a, go a little sideways for you as well. Uh, and so it's you got to be able to take that risk and willing to take that risk as a brand, 
um, in order to, to, to have that possibility of the home run. Yes, got think, it. You know, back to your original question, text, I think that will be used for people who already have a relationship or the brand has a relationship uh, with an individual, and they will tie in the Olympics and the athletes they may be sponsoring or uh, the events that they may have a, a tie to their business, and they will use text to enable that one-to-one personal communication mm-hmm. on a relationship they already have. I think that's where you'll see brands uh, using the text, not so much for the mass distribution, but for engaging with that one user uh, deeply, you know, and they'll do that repeatedly with, with everybody that they've got. But uh, I think that's where you'll see uh, text sort of pulling through uh, as a, a really private and uh, personalized channel. Got it. So, and, and certainly there's, I mean, social media in general, we, we hear about things as they happen. We see things that we, we didn't see with our own eyes before because people have videos. So all of that is, is changing our lives in general. But let's talk a little bit specifically about apps like Snapchat and Facebook Live and Periscope. How do you see those really kind of coming into play during this Olympics? Right. You know, I, I really see those uh, coming into play because it gives uh, those of us who, who don't get to go, who are staying at home and, and watching, uh, the ability to see a first-person perspective, right? You don't have that fixed you know, 20 cameras that NBC is going yeah. to provide. You can have it, you know, whether it's walking around uh, down the street on the way into the venue, um, you know, walk, sitting in the stands watching the, the opening ceremonies. You know, my personal one that I'd love to see is, you know, every time you see the athletes walk in, you see them taking pictures with the camera, right? They want yeah. to remember that moment. I can't imagine what it would be like to walk into a stadium filled with that many people, you know, screaming, you know, carrying your national flag. Wouldn't it be great if one of them could periscope that, uh, you know, as they walk in and let all the rest of us experience it from the field? Um, I think that would be an amazing, uh, amazing way to transport viewers into that experience. Now, they're going to balance that. If I remember correctly, um, you know, 2014, the athletes weren't allowed to, uh, to stream from, the, uh, from any of the venues, uh, and that was by the Olympics. Um, they have, you know, sold the rights to advertise uh, uh, to some people, and they don't want to have uh, those messages and the, the, the TV uh, rights uh, compromised by the, uh, by the athletes themselves streaming and, and having better content than what the, uh, the people who say distribution rights for. So there's a, a delicate balance there that they've got to maintain uh, between the access that the audience really wants and wants to see uh, and the unique experiences that can be, uh, can be resolved. Uh, coupling that with the the brand sponsorship and the need for them to, uh, you know, honor those commitments that they've made. Got it. Do you think, though, I mean, 2014, even two years ago, we didn't have the ubiquity that we have of today. We didn't have Periscope and Facebook Live and everybody shooting everywhere. It seems to me it would be almost impossible to um, to really police who can stream and who can't. And I understand Absolutely. athletes, are, you know, have rules, but still I think it's it's like the cat's out of the bag at this point. Uh, I, I would agree with you. I think that's where they have to look to uh, for the brands. How do you create something unique? How do you create something differentiated uh, so that the audience will want to watch what you've got? You know, I think of uh, what uh, Samsung has partnered with NBC to do. Uh, they have created a virtual reality experience. They're broadcasting, I believe, the opening and closing ceremonies uh, in VR. And so mm-hmm. you can actually get your Samsung gear and be able to experience that in a virtual reality environment, you know, 360-degree visibility and, you know, being able where you turn your head is what you see. I think that's an example of someone taking that uh, ability to create deeper content that you can do than you can do on some of these apps 
and be able to push that live. You know, they're planning, I think it's 85 to 100 hours of VR. And, you know, wow. it's, it's a little early on VR right now, right? It's still yep. sort of like the 3D TVs. But I think it's great that they've partnered to do that. It's it's really a, uh, excuse me, a unique opportunity and something that will be uh, very differentiated for them. Are we going to see anything that, that sort of relates to what, what we've seen happen with Pokemon Go? Any kind of augmented reality from that perspective, or is it too soon for that? Well, I think you know augmented reality, they're, they're saying for Pokemon Go, they're not going to have Pokemon Go uh, turned on down there in, in time for the games. Uh, that might be good given some of the, uh, the, the problems we're seeing of people walking in streets and whatnot <laughs> right. here. Um, yeah. But if you think back, some of the augmented reality that has, has been part of the experience for a while, not necessarily on mobile, uh, but in sports has always been a leader there. If you think of yep. the first and ten line on Monday Night Football, that's yep. sort of a, you know, a, a very basic version, but that was one of the earliest ones. Uh, and I think you'll see continued use of that in, uh, in the video medium uh, for this, whether it's the ghost swimmer you know, with the world record pace who's, uh, who's swimming there uh, aside from the gold medalist, uh, or you know, other ways that they, <clears throat> excuse me, they will bring that in uh, to the various, uh, the various venues. So I think we'll continue to see that. I don't think it's going to be so much in the consumer experience yet with this Olympics, but you know, location-based gaming is mm-hmm. still in its infancy, uh, but it's, it's going to continue to grow. Got it. Well, this is fascinating. We've been talking with Brian Heikis, who's the vice president of product at 3C Interactive. How is 3C involved in this with, with the games and with mobile? What, did, what is your involvement in, in making some of this happen? Uh, we're involved with a number of our clients who are – obviously doing the, the marketing and the outreach <clears throat> excuse me, to their customers uh, and who have uh, programs designed around uh, supporting you know, things that augment their brand. And whether that's uh, engagement tied to how the team performs or how the U.S. national team uh, delivers or just cheering, uh, cheering on, as you see in many of the, uh, many of the other mediums, uh, we're involved in that with content creation, campaign creation, and management of that uh, on our platform. Uh, so that our clients can can engage with their audience and the people that they already have uh, that relationship with. So it's really helping them get their message out uh, on a day-to-day basis. That's fantastic. Again, we've been talking with Brian Heikis from uh, 3C Interactive. He's been telling us about uh, a whole area I hadn't even thought about related to the upcoming Rio Olympics, and that's how uh, mobile is really going to change the experience both for people there from the athletes to the spectators to those of us back at home who are watching so thank you brian i really appreciate your being here with us thank you for the opportunity okay this is linda popke until next time thank you for listening to marketing thought leadership we hope you enjoyed this edition of marketing thought leadership brought to you by leverage Two market associates if you'd like to find out how powerful marketing results can transform your organization Contact us at www.leverage2market.com.